1: everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. Scott Galloway is on a beach somewhere reading through a steamy S1. Today, I'm joined by the host of Vulture's new pop culture podcast, Intuit. Welcome, Sam Sanders.
0: It is so good to be here, Kara. I'm a big fan and honored to be on the show.
1: Hey, how's your podcast going? Now it just launched. T- tell people about it, about yeah. what's going on with it.
0: So Intuit is a weekly Vulture show all about the pop culture we are obsessed with. So I get to hang Mm -hmm. out with Vulture's best and brightest and the occasional Mm -hmm. celebrity and journalists to talk about the weird, lovable, quirky, hateable pop culture we can't stop thinking about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Last week, I was able to talk about. Maybe the most loved and hated show on TV, Yellowstone, uh, also oh, we one of the biggest talk. dramas on TV. And then this yeah, week we'll we got to uh, sample celebrity alcohol. Like We taste tested um, uh branded spirits to see which one mm-hmm. is the best. So we kind of do everything. Right. We're all over the oh, map, cool. but it's always fun.
1: So that like George Clooney and uh, Ryan Reynolds, those kind of things? They we didn't taste and
0: the George Clooney alcohol because he's overexposed. We did oh, taste okay. Bruno Mars's <laughs> rum. We did taste what? Rita Ora's tequila. I actually have a bottle uh-huh. of Bruno Mars's rum if you want to see it.
1: No, thank you. No, 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 that's
0: okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the results were what? People can listen and find out. You have out. to listen to
0: see who won. But I will uh-huh. say, I don't think celebrity alcohols are any better than other alcohols. No. It's just alcohol. No, it's-
1: It's just alcohol. It's brand correct. And they all want to get into it. You know, years ago on Entourage, that was the thing. I think one of the characters had a a celebrity. I think it was a tequila, might have been a vodka. And it was so funny they were dealing with it. But a lot of people have them, right? A lot of people are doing it because it's so easy.
0: It it is passive income for celebrities. You put your Mm -hmm. name on it and you just get the checks.
1: And then you go to parties and serve it and things <laughs> yeah. like that. Well, that yeah. sounds like a good thing. Sam, we're going to sit down with Issa Rae next month at Co. She's done a lot of really fascinating things her shows and things like that. So I'm hoping you're going to you're going to uh, be my biggest support because this is something you're great at, and I'm not as I watch obviously her shows and everything else, and I'm interested in the business part, but the cultural impact of Issa Rae is really important. I think on yeah. on lots of in lots She's of ways. She's
0: really important. You know, I was a big fan of Insecure. I'm a big fan of <laughs> rap shit, but I'm even Mm-hmm. a bigger fan of the way she loves her, her home city Los Angeles. From Mm -hmm. the start with Insecure, she proudly repped South LA and Black Mm -hmm. LA, and since Mm -hmm. her show took off, she has been investing a lot of money into businesses that help Black LA and help South LA. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just feel like she's doing it right. I actually live not too far from where her businesses are in South LA, Mm -hmm. and I just love to see it. She's kind of become- restaurants,
1: what? It's a coffee shop? There's a whole bunch of- There's
0: a coffee shop called Hilltop, I think, which I was at yesterday. She's invested in some restaurants- She loves Mm -hmm. the city and she loves Black LA. And I want to ask her about that a lot because you don't see a lot of creatives giving back the way she does, and she does
1: yeah and also you know where we are with her. she had a huge success from a very early on and how she then navigates that going forward I think is really important oh, yeah. especially um, as a woman of color in Hollywood which She's as fascinated. you know it's just dripping with women of color running <laughs> things there <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I'm excited to talk to have you do it with me but I, I do want to talk about Yellowstone I love Yellowstone I don't know why I hate that I love it because it's really quite a horrible hot mess um, <laughs> but tell me what, what, what you were talking what do you think of that show
0: yeah so I didn't know what it was until my aunt Betty convinced me to watch it when I was visiting her oh. in Delaware a few years ago and mm-hmm. um she said Sam this show is crazy it's got Kevin mm-hmm. Costner it's on a ranch there yes. are cowboy hats watch it And you know what it felt like for me the first time I watched it? It felt like Dallas, but on a farm. Uh It was a classic Mm -hmm. family soap opera, right? So I watched the first season in two days and thought nothing of it. But a few weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I caught wind of the really interesting backstory around Yellowstone. Uh, Mm -hmm. The creator of that show, Taylor Sheridan, and other fans of the show say that consistently Mm -hmm. it gets snubbed by the Emmys, even though it's the most popular drama on TV. They say it gets snubbed for the big categories because it's too conservative. And I said, Oh, that's interesting. Oh. Let's talk about it. I huh. want to know about it. So I ended up calling uh, last week on the show, Tressie mcmillan Cottom. She's an op-ed columnist for The mm-hmm. New York Times. And she wrote about mm-hmm. Yellowstone yes, she and great. how liberals and conservatives are polarized in their viewing and what they take seriously. And we had a really great mm-hmm. discussion about the quiet coding that exists in all the TV that we watch. So oh, that wow. interests cool. me. I do not think Yellowstone yeah. is the best show. I do think it says a lot about yeah, politics, I, and I like that conversation.
1: Well, although Kevin Costner was wearing a Liz Cheney t-shirt, as I recall, um, <laughs> yeah. but which is sort of makes him conservative. It, it is, it, I don't know if it's a conservative show. I don't think Dallas won a lot of enemies. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's one of those opera. kind of yeah, popular soaps aren't show. respected yeah, soap unless
0: opera. there's succession. I think succession is a soap yeah. as well, written differently.
1: Oh, Yeah. Do you have a favorite character?
0: I mean, with Succession and with the Yellowstone, I love the redhead daughter, who's kind of crazy. Redhead like, daughter. Like both of the show. Yeah. Redhead She's... daughter, sign me up. I'm into it.
1: She is a... I loved her in the bathtub. Remember, she was oh, in the outdoor yeah. bathtub with and walking around naked. On. That was my favorite. Yeah. 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 And the yeah. think She's about amazing.
0: Yellowstone, though, that we got into with Tressie on the show uh-huh. last week. If you really analyze it, it is a story of white grievance and what... White oh. people get to hold on to as America changes. You have this white oh. family who has this land. yeah. Gentrification <clears throat> wants it. Corporations want it. Climate activists mm-hmm. want them to get off of it. Native people want right. that land back. And so it is this white right. family trying to keep what they have and in a changing America. And with that as a metaphor, oh, that. it's about our politics right now and white grievance, you know? So watching it through that lens now, I find incredibly captivating.
1: As you know, grievance culture is one of my favorite things. Yeah, really, everyone's it's aggrieved. And the it's wrong everywhere. people, the wrong people are aggrieved. The people oh, who yeah. have everything. And I, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I fi- I think I find it griftery. I find people building businesses off of it. Uh, but you're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Don't take my land, right? And there's like obsessed with it, yeah. right?
0: Kevin Costner is a beautiful actor version of the angry white man watching Fox News. He is doing that white grievance, but Uh as a beautiful actor in a beautiful, pristine show. And so it's more palatable.
1: But it does also follow those other, which maybe they were all grievance shows, weren't they? In a lot of ways. It was was taking over the oil who Mm -hmm. was taking over the, you know, the cul-de-sac or whatever. Anyway, let's listen, actually, to you guys talking about the main character, and Tressie talking about it. John Dutton, the main character, that's Kevin Costner's character, you know, is just driven by a lot of anxieties and fear. And I think he is a bit of a Rorschach for a lot of people who are feeling fearful about social change uh, in this nation. And he's facing it in a way, you know, with bravado, with guns, mm-hmm. with, with all money out, with money. That is the American <laughs> fantasy, right? If there's something in America you don't like, what do we tell people? Well, work hard, and make enough money and buy your way out of it.
0: There you go. Uh, and that's what go. John
1: Dutton promises. So when you think about that, is there any other show I guess the comparison would be would be succession, right? Yeah. Uh, which is also which wins all the Emmys. Why does yeah. that win all the Emmys and the other doesn't?
0: I don't know. Because yeah, succession It's easier to watch because you know right away you're supposed to hate all Mm -hmm. of them. I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. hate this family. I'm supposed to hate what they do and how they do it. And Mm -hmm. I actually think the stakes never change because the dad never dies. To get real plot and movement, he'd have to go away or step down. That hasn't happened yet. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like a comedy, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It is a situational Mm -hmm. sitcom comedy in which... (laughs) the fights just repeat themselves and they circle around yeah. nothing because there are no stakes because they're all too rich to actually care. Whereas yeah. with Yellowstone, I don't know if I should love them or hate them. I don't know if I right. should be sympathetic to them or be repulsed by them. And I find that more interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the writing yeah. on Succession is much better, but I think mm-hmm. the development of these characters who I'm not sure how to feel about in Yellowstone, uh, it's stickier. It's stickier. Yeah,
1: I love Yellowstone. Yeah. They have another show uh, called 1883, right? They've got
0: two prequels now. There's 1883 and then some other one. There's a whole Yellowstone universe. You know,
1: yeah.
0: Yellowstone is one of the biggest dramas on TV. Some episodes get mm-hmm. 10 million viewers a pop. Yep, all um, the time. It's a big Old deal. Time, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I love Succession. I've seen every episode. But Small. that show, in the greater scheme of things, is tiny Small. compared to Yellowstone. We should be talking about Yellowstone.
1: We should. I do all the time. I, yeah. I recommend it to everybody. All right. Today, we'll talk about Silicon Valley's newest whistleblower and Twitter's latest headache and also President Biden's plan to cancel student debt. And we'll hear from a listener about nostalgia, which you should be able to talk about, Sam. It's a part of culture. Yeah. Um, but speaking of capitalizing on nostalgia, another show that is has become a big hit, of course, is Game of Thrones and HBO's House of the Dragon, which is the prequel, was the largest premiere in HBO history. The Game of Thrones uh prequel drew almost 10 million viewers in its debut, speaking of big numbers on Sunday night. The overwhelming viewership caused the HBO Max app to crash for thousands of watchers. More than $100 million was spent on marketing the show. You saw it everywhere. Talk a little bit about this show because there's another one. It's a big, hot mess of, of very violent people. I, I, I had a hard time watching this one.
0: I didn't watch. I started watching it the other night. I watched mm-hmm. like 15 minutes of it. Then I got to one of the sex scenes and I said, it doesn't mm-hmm. look like anyone's having fun here. I'm tapping out. Right. Yeah, these yeah. weird mutant looking people having bad sex.
1: Yes. Yes. And then someone gets decapitated or disemboweled.
0: I don't want to watch that. And then there was a there was a decapitation. There was a horrible C section. I'm just like this show is not for me. Yeah. That said, I get it. It's a big deal. But what I am mm-hmm. most into discussing and unpacking is how these new ratings compare to the old ones for Game of Thrones. Yeah. And what I think it's happening here is that HBO has a strategy where they probably never expect to have a hit as big as Game of Thrones again, but they do want to keep as many Game of Thrones diehards in the service.
1: Right. So this
0: will be the first of several prequels. If this one works out, there'll be another prequel and another one and another one in the same way that Disney Plus now has every Star Wars fan forever because there'll always Mm -hmm. be Star Wars prequels. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i it is it, it is a weird way to navigate the erosion of tv monoculture no one right. is it, it, no one expects to get oh. everyone to watch they have to just go after fandoms and pick them off and keep them
1: well it makes sense whether it's avengers star trek you know i've always wanted more from the shows i like right there was always an end and that's I like don't.
0: some shows should end
1: right yeah, West Wing was something I've watched over and over again. I don't know why. Uh,
0: I would rather watch a show again and again and again than get prequels of fair to male equality. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Huh. Like, I don't yeah, ever I want guess... to watch an insecure prequel. Insecure oh, fair, is a fair, good fair, show, sure. keep it right, right. there. You know what I'm Yeah, saying? that's a
1: good idea. But these other things work that way. I mean, like Game of Thrones is perfect because there's so many characters yeah. and offshoots of characters. And that's yeah. where they go down those paths with other people. They've done it on a bunch of shows like that where they move to other characters. You know, uh, George R.R. R. Martin, I interviewed him once. He's the most benign looking person and his wife looks exactly like him. They look like a pair of Weebles. Really? And my first question <laughs> to him, they do, they wear little Greek fishing hats. Oh, it was really, cute, I was sort of cute. struck by how simple he looked. And then yeah, my yeah. first question is, what is wrong with you? Like where, you where, where so where's normal. your mind? Yeah, I, I it was just I, and I did give up on that because of the violence. I can't I may mean, know people love it, but I just couldn't. Well, I, just I also
0: couldn't, don't I just, get the reasoning for it. It's all a mm-hmm. fantasy world. So it's not mm-hmm. like they're saying we had to be true to history. It's not historical. Right. There are dragons there. Right. You could just say right. we're not going to show this horrible, graphic, violent sex that is usually hurting yeah. women.
1: It's interesting to see how the Lord of the Rings uh, stuff that's going on on Amazon, that's debuting really soon in like a week or two. Another big cultural moment. That's a big.
0: Another one where I'm just like, did we need more of that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do we need more Lord of
0: the Rings? And what I fear is that as these studios try to keep franchises going to maintain Mm -hmm. the attention of franchise fandoms, the smaller Mm -hmm. stuff gets less attention, less focus, less money, less support. I like small TV shows. I like little bitty dramas. I like hilarious Mm -hmm. comedies. I want the landscape to be just as welcoming to the Michaela Coles of the world as mm-hmm. it is Great to show. the Duffer Brothers and Stranger Things type shows that just become mm-hmm. juggernaut franchises. And I, I worry about that. I worry about it. Yeah. And it used to be you count on HBO Max to support the mm-hmm. small darlings, but they've been mm-hmm. hacking shows left and right and
1: doubling down they on have. things
0: like Game of Thrones prequels.
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, that's what pays the bills, unfortunately. I know. Um, Speaking of not paying the bills, MoviePass is back. The movie subscription service will launch in beta around Labor Day. Great idea kind of thing. Is it a great idea? Yes, it's a great idea. (laughs) Okay. Is it? It is. I mean, for a consumer, yes, it is for for having it. Original co-founder Stacey Spikes predicted MoviePass would account for 30% of all ticket sales by 2030. At its peak, it was responsible for 4%. The newest version will operate on a tiered system with monthly credits. Members will also be able to earn credits by watching ads on their phones. On the other hand, the owner of Regal Cinemas said Monday that was considering filing for bankruptcy. The movie business is in Big trouble. I wrote a column two or three years ago saying after the pandemic, people will not be going back, especially for what you were talking about, the small movies. Oh, yeah. Um, and I interviewed Ted Sarandos about this. He said that. I got such blowback from Hollywood. But I was like, only the big Avengers-like things are going to work in the theaters or yeah. you know, Bond or things like that. What do you think is happening? And what do you think of MoviePass?
0: I think that's true. And I think what we're seeing in the music industry and in the movie industry and the TV industry is that this era of fragmentation that the internet introduced about 10 or 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. it's led to this shakeout where only the biggest names survive. Only Beyonce or Adele can really sell an album these Mm -hmm. days. You know, Mm -hmm. only Tom Cruise and the Top Gun sequel can make a billion dollars at the global box office. Only Game of Thrones can be a hit. And the rest is just Mm -hmm. little bitty, 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 bitty. And so we are seeing the film industry slowly decrease and get smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and smaller. And I kind of think about movie theaters as art, as like jazz. Mm -hmm. At one point, jazz was the most dominant music form in the country, if not the world. Everyone listened to jazz, played jazz. Mm -hmm. Jazz was top 40 radio. And then it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And now it's a thing your dad likes. And you can hear it. And there are jazz clubs, but it's harder to find. And only the purists really go do it. I think movie theaters are going that way.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was so, and they have to be beautiful and they have to, they, they so long abuse the consumer. They have
0: to feed me, they have to give me drinks as the right. whole environment.
1: And even then it's hard. Anyone who's a, a teenager knows this. They do not, they use streaming. They use their phones. They use everything else. And that's not, I'm not like doing anecdotal. It's so clear what the numbers are. And unless it's a very big film. And there was a real, um, I was talking to uh, a bunch of Hollywood analysts. Um, there was a real desert of movies in in August, where you see all the big ones, you know, there wasn't much to go see in the theater and things came and went like Elvis and some others. Um, I went to see Thor is the only movie I saw. And it was terrible by the way. And I bet it's really interesting that Hollywood clings to this idea. I know uh, David Zasloff uh, at Warner is trying Warner discovery is trying to say that he and I had a big argument about it. It was like theaters are very quaint, very small business. Very, and they didn't like that answer. Particularly, but if you like.
0: know that you can make a hit, On on some existing brand, movie Mm -hmm. theater money is good money. It's a lot of money, right? And so, like a movie, like Everything Everywhere All at Once, it is an indie film, a very good indie film. But it goes Mm -hmm. to theaters and through word of mouth, it makes like seventy million dollars. That is more than it would have made if it were just on a streamer. Sure, right? So sometimes it's worth it, but it's hard to tell.
1: One, one. Exactly. That was the one. There's only yeah. one and it has to be d- totally delightful. I did a yes. great interview with uh, Michelle Yeoh who was wonderful. She's movie. wonderful. Uh, but I think I think they have to understand the money's coming from elsewhere and they have to uh, and it's going to be less money, lots of money in different places. Yeah. Um anyway, uh, speaking of someone who's uh, who's not doing very well, Dr. Oz's campaign continues yeah. to feel like a bad joke. First yeah. there was the Wagner's clip.
0: I thought it was some grocery shopping. I'm at Wagner's and uh, my wife wants some vegetables for crudite, right? So
1: And now his campaign is criticizing his opponent, John Fetterman, but not for any of his policies. Sam, could you play the part of Dr. Oz's senior communications advisor, Rachel Tripp, and read this for me.
0: Quote, if John Fetterman had ever eaten a vegetable in his life, then maybe he wouldn't have had a major stroke and wouldn't be in the position of having to lie about it constantly. Wow. Wow
1: I will have a I'll have a response in a second I had a stroke. Fetterman responded in a tweet saying I can't imagine ridiculing someone for their health challenges so irresponsible for a doctor to say this.
0: It's wild. Well, and then after it was said, mm-hmm. Dr Oz's team doubled down, tripled down with this response uh, from the comms advisor trip. They wrote, quote, Nice try, Dr. Oz has been urging people to eat more veggies for years. That's not ridicule, it's good health advice. We're only trying to help. I'm sorry, that pissed me off. My mother had a major stroke almost 20 years ago. And a lot of Mm -hmm. times that shit can come out of nowhere and it'll fuck up your entire life. It is a serious problem. It affects a lot of Americans, regardless of their health status. It's not a game, it's not a, a point scoring thing for politics. Mm-hmm. Can I say fuck you, Doctor Oz?
1: Fuck you, May. You may fuck you, Doctor Oz. That
0: is so God's inappropriate. Not going to.
1: This, I, that man is the
0: worst doctor
1: ever. It is. He also he also also had so many diet fad controversies, yes. recommending all kinds of.
0: I never get mad at Oprah, but I'm mad at Oprah yeah. for giving us Doctor Oz.
1: Oh, <laughs> How dare us, you know? I, I had a stroke and I ate a lot of broccoli and mm-hmm. somehow I had it anyway. And I eat very healthy. Um, and also, by the way, I, my family's from Pennsylvania. Ketchup is a vegetable in Pennsylvania. This is not a winning political thing to make no. fun of eating habits now and to get people to eat better as they should is something that you do in a nice way, not in this, not in a mocking way, which is really repulsive. A hundred Pennsylvania doctors put out a statement condemning Dr. Oz after the campaign's comments. My brother was, is a doctor also was horrified by it um, that you would, he's also a cardiologist, by the way, a cardiac uh, thoracic surgeon knows all about this. I just, uh, as someone who had a stroke, Dr. Oz, it's shameful what it's he It's very shameful. And, you know, I didn't, again, I didn't have a stroke because I didn't eat carrots. Yeah. I eat carrots. I like carrots. Um, it's because of a genetic anomaly uh, that I have, uh, two of them. And it's, it's really quite disgusting that they oh, did yeah. this. I was, the Wagner's thing was funny, like the veggie tray, et cetera, you know, like what an idiot. But this is, this guy yeah. deserves to lose and lose badly and John Fetterman deserves to win. And I mean,
0: just to like, and like. You've said this, but strokes mm-hmm. really, really change your life overnight. They my do. family has a history of high blood pressure and stroke. My mother mm-hmm. had a massive one when I had just finished high school. Two of my mm-hmm. aunts had one. My brother, who is about a year older than me, had a mini stroke a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. And I mean. it's heavy and it's never a laughing matter. We never yep. joke about stroke, that'd be like mm-hmm. joking about. I can't even think of a comparison. It's just, it's a Car shitty accents. thing. Exactly. Whatever. It's a yeah. shitty thing. You don't want it to happen to your worst enemy. Shut yep. up, Dr. Oz.
1: Yeah, shut up. It's, it's appalling. He's a sh- and also he's a charlatan. He's a well-known charlatan on oh, all yeah. kinds of medical things. For oh, him yeah. to be giving medical hupster. advice at this point. Come on. Uh, they, should, they should sanction him in some way. What do you
0: think about the legacy and the long tail of Oprah in light of well, Dr. Oz being what he is now and Dr. The Phil being what he is?
1: I think uh, uh, I think Oprah's an entertainer and she gave us a lot of shit, you know, <laughs> some of it was good. Yeah. Some of it was bad. And uh, yeah. the, her men were very bad. The men I, were I bad. I guess the gay the gay designer was OK. Like,
0: well, the gays and the guy? women were great because she had <laughs> like Nate and Berkus and Maya Angelou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. had The legends that. ball I with just... all the
0: fun ladies like but uh, the white guys, she uh, she, never, she never picked good white guys.
1: Never pick good white guys, bad, yeah. bad white guys, but you know doctors started out promisingly, I yeah. suspect, and then just they lose their fucking minds mm-hmm. and Honestly, if I saw him, I'd punch him. I want you to, but <laughs> I wouldn't really punch him. But I take
0: I'd... that stroke, Doctor Oz, papow.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. Actually, one of the reasons I'm actually in San Francisco, I'm doing a lot of tests for my stroke to make sure it doesn't come again. Aww. And so when this happened, and I'm in the middle of these tests, yeah, uh, and thinking about doing some surgery around part of it because um, I have a hole in my heart. Uh, yeah. And things have changed. It just was it really does hit you. And I'm sure yeah. your your relatives felt the same way. Oh, it's yeah. Like, it's, oh my God. it's patently
0: it's, offensive. And it's offensive. yeah, I kind of if I can say it, I hope that guy fucking loses.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. I think he's going to and people in Pennsylvania my really even the Republicans in my family hate him. He's a tool. He's a tool. Speaking of staying healthy, Peloton may be coming to Amazon in the first. The company will step out of its direct-to-consumer model and sell equipment through another retailer, Amazon. Won't get everything. Peloton is keeping its high-end bike and treadmill off the platform. But nonetheless, it could be a step in the direction of Peloton selling. It's a wonderful brand. Uh, we, uh, Scott and I have always thought it was needed to sell. I had a big high during the pandemic. I do have a Peloton. I love Peloton. You don't have one, correct?
0: I don't have one. A lot of my friends have them. I follow some of the coaches on social media because they're fun. But I think, yeah. And then the guy who loves Britney Spears, whatever, Cody Rigsby.
1: Oh, Cody, yeah. He's a big popular, yeah.
0: He's very fun. He's very fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think, though, it's like,
0: everyone's like, oh, my goodness, Peloton had this big crash after this big boom. (laughs) And it's like, Shouldn't we know by now health fads Mm -hmm. like Peloton always fade out? There's one every few years. Oh, this is the new health craze, and it's not. Mm -hmm. And, like, it happened with SoulCycle. It happened with Peloton. Mm -hmm. It probably happened with, Mm -hmm. like, Jazzercise 30 or 40 fucking years ago. I don't know. When there was all of this pearl-clutchy coverage of, like, people Mm -hmm. buying fewer Pelotons, I was like, one, well, yeah, duh. And then, two... Maybe it's a good thing people are back outside, hopefully post pandemic. I
1: yeah, can't that's true.
0: I can't feel bad for Peloton. I also right. don't ever think that a business needs to have continued and endless growth. That's why I don't work in that's business. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I will say if Amazon buys Peloton, I think Amazon will do what they do to every boutique business they buy, they make it worse. They made Whole Foods worse.
1: <laughs> they did. They, they just do. bought
0: my concierge medical service, One Medical. I think they're going to make oh, that yeah. worse. And so yeah. I don't have a Peloton, so I don't care. But I think they'll make the service yeah. of Peloton worse. Ring. They bought Ring. Well, they should make that worse because I think Ring is a surveillance state and I don't like it.
1: I would agree with you. I but would agree with you. I
0: think Amazon has yet to buy things and let them just stay good and beautiful and small and cute. They optimize mm-hmm. it and then I'm just over it.
1: Yeah, I think Apple's a better purchaser for this company. Really? That's my feeling. Yeah, Why? because they've got all those health things. They did a whole health service. Peloton, if you don't use it, it's really good. It's really, they're, they they have boxing and, um, yoga and meditation and their bike stuff is great. It's well, it's beautifully, beautifully mm. done mm. the way Apple the up. And they have a big, uh, health service Apple does and also beautifully done, but they don't have a device. And I think they would, be the better owner of this well, handle and you could it, link integrate. up the
0: apple watch with the peloton that's right
1: yep yep Whereas, it does it already does that oh okay by yeah, the way. i don't even know okay so um so it, i think that they're a better owner because it, it fits in with their uh with what they're already making and they're making what else and peloton is small but it's it really is well done if yeah. and, and i had a a twitter spaces session and i all it was huge all these fans of peloton came and they love it but And they want to help it. And they had 29 ideas of things, relationship they wanted to have with Peloton. Mm. It's just too small a company. It does need to be affiliated with a bigger one. I think Apple's the better one, but I think Amazon, you're right, is going to probably turf it, unfortunately. Can, can I tell
0: you, being sure. from South Texas, I remember the original mm-hmm. Whole Foods in Austin. It was an amazing oh, yeah. grocery Great store. store. An amazing grocery store. Mm-hmm. You go to Whole Foods now, it's fine.
1: It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's soulless now. I think yep. it's soulless now. Yep. In a lot of ways. Anyway, yeah. I go to Weg, I go to Wegner's. No, I go to Wegmans. Um, anyway, <laughs> I go to Wegmans. It just opened in my neighborhood. It's Such a good store as I, I, I can't go on anymore about it. I love it so much. Okay. Speaking of which, let's get on to our first big story. Silicon Valley's newest whistleblower says Twitter is a threat to national security and democracy. Twitter's former head of security, Peter Zatko, aka Mudge, they all have a name, came forward, all these hackers do, came forward this week with a slew of accusations against the service. The whistleblower report, Mudge claims that Twitter's user data is inadequately protected or deleted as required. Twitter is lying to the FTC about that. Also, Twitter's systems are vulnerable to crash and data loss. The company may have foreign spies on its payroll. This is not new. It already it had some before and caught them. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Mudge claims that Twitter doesn't actually know about how many Bots on its platform. Twitter disputes the accusations, which they also did today at an all-hands meeting. I have uh, mixed feelings about this, uh, about Mudge. I think he's very well respected. I do think uh, he's very different from Francis Haugen. It's the same group whistleblower aid that brought mm-hmm. him forward. I think he makes a lot of accusations and he doesn't have the data to back it up um, in some ways. Uh, at the same time, we all know Twitter is a an information sieve. So are all of them. Same problems happen at Facebook at, and Snapchat, et cetera, et cetera. All these companies face these issues. Twitter just doesn't have... Um, as an information security expert told me, you know, when it happened at Facebook, including too much access by too many employees, Mark threw hundreds of people at the problem. And at Twitter, uh, it's three people and a parrot working on it um, because it's a smaller company. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think he had some points to make. I think he makes a lot of accusations that aren't uh, – I think he's correct. He can be correct and also be wrong if that is a thing. And I get and that. And lastly, uh, the timing the timing is really unusual because of Twitter's heading into the court in its showdown with Elon Musk and the stuff he's alleging has nothing to do with the stuff Musk has been ele- electing or very not as much to do which
0: is why it's interesting to me like when i first saw the headlines before i read the piece mm-hmm. i was like oh shit did elon mm-hmm. pay off a whistleblower to come public mm-hmm. now and That's make twitter look it bad yeah.
1: but it mm-hmm. seems like
0: it's not at all affiliated I will say this guy said everything, told everything, spilled mm-hmm. all the beans. Some of it can't mm-hmm. really be verified. But some of these things, I'm like, I don't think he would lie about that. And it's probably true. The parts in which he talks about the ways in which foreign governments had basically infiltrated Twitter. There was one ex-Twitter employee convicted of using his position at the yes. company to spy on Saudi dissidents and government critics.
1: Which they caught. That was, yeah. That's, yeah. That's called a hole. It doesn't mean they did it on purpose, but go okay. ahead. That, okay, go but ahead. still, that's yeah. crazy.
0: And then he also says that he believed the Indian government had forced Twitter to put one of its agents on the payroll of Twitter with access yeah, to is... user data during a time of protests. I don't think he would lie right. about that. And I kind of feel like, yeah. oh, that probably happened. Why did
1: would you lie about that? Well, though? here's the problem. I'd like to see the proof. That's, yeah. that, this is, this is, these are very serious allegations. And if you're making them, and again, I'm, believe me, I've taught, written about this, uh, at Yahoo. What was really interesting to me was chief information security officers always see themselves as sort of savior heroes and everything's mm-hmm. a mess. One, mm-hmm. why didn't he fix them when he was there? Two, why is there a silence by other chief information security officers on this? They usually are not silent people. Hmm. Um, there has, this guy has a great reputation. They have not rushed to his, Defense, which is interesting because I think he overstepped what was a couple of things. Twitter can be porous as many of these sites are. That's the one thing I'd like people to focus on is that all these sites are very porous. Yeah too, it doesn't mean that these it's a nefarious thing. It means that they're not devoting money and time to it, to safety. He did a, a sentence where he's like, they ha- they were interested in growth over safety. Can you believe that? And I was like, um, yes, yes, I can believe that.
0: That's all businesses. Yeah. It's
1: like, did he suddenly just realize this is the case? It's almost like someone like, can you believe politics is cynical? <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> I can believe it. Um, I, I do think the timing is unusual. And Mike, Mike Masnick and Casey Newton wrote two, very good pieces, sort of taking apart some of this where you can be right generally, but not specifically. And I think that's, we'll see. Here's the good thing. There's a court case. So bring the data. It will come out. There's an investigation. It will come out. Yeah. And unfortunately, or it won't, right? So what he needs to bring, Francis Haugen brought the data, brought the data. Let's see the information. Let's see what's going on. Um, Other companies like Facebook and Google Infiltration by foreign spies. What a surprise again. Um, because you know, why do you rob banks? It's because that's where the money is, right? Yeah. It's that's where, where you do. They obviously that's where the information is. So we'll see where it happens. I think he 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 he's making excellent points, but he's just couldn't resist selling past the sale. And and that's my issue with this. Yeah. Um and he's relying on his his reputation for that. And he there was also allegations by Twitter and others internally, and I've heard this across the board at Twitter, mm. uh, bad manager? I'm
0: sure he is. He was a hacker before he was a manager. Of course he's a bad manager. Right? Should he
1: have been there? He yeah. was not uh, managed by Jack Dorsey. He had there's some issues with another person who was hired that he doesn't seem to address. So I think he should have be- had it buttoned down a lot more here yeah. or maybe taken off. a You know, it's almost like putting on too many pieces of jewelry. He needed to yeah. take off a few.
0: But I will say reading this story, talking about it with you now, regardless of how much of him we believe, it does support mm-hmm. my central thesis about Twitter, which I've had for years now. Twitter has never been mm-hmm. a winning business model. It's never been a viable company. It's never had a model that is actually Mm -hmm. made for long-term growth and success. Most of the people on Twitter who use it frequently will tell you, it makes me feel horrible. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not a winning business model. I say this as someone who tweets a lot. I just feel like Mm -hmm. that's why I'm also so confused about someone who is ostensibly as smart as Elon Musk wanting to buy this Mm shithole company. I don't get it.
1: Mm.
0: Why does Elon want? Why do
1: rich people want to buy sports teams? Why do rich people want to buy yachts? What yacht? Yes. Can't you rent a yacht? I don't. Know. You know, I like he just wanted it. He just he's the richest man. He loves it. He wanted to buy it. You know, here's the deal. Let's separate Musk from this.
0: It's a different. It's two different stories. Yes,
1: but unfortunately. He had to go right into Muskland where it just, what I would, I would urge everyone to read Mike Masnick's analysis of this because it's very clear. It says nothing to do with Musk. Musk made an agreement to buy this company unless he can prove they malevolently tried to trick him or it had material result. He has to buy the company. He's going to lose in court. Um, this is a lot of smoke and mirrors. That said, separately, it, these companies, especially Twitter, which doesn't have the money needs to have better safety for the people that are using it. And if you're using it, Buyer beware. How much did you pay for Twitter? Zero. Yeah. So guess what you're getting? Zero.
0: Zero. Which of these platforms has the best safety, though? Apple. Apple? Well, yeah. But they don't have a social network.
1: Right. That's they did. They had one called ping. Um, but you know, unless you're take, you take your time, like I use this thing called Yubi, a Yubi key. You've got to really go crazy to protect yourself on all these platforms. And that's really their job. And of course, they don't take it seriously. No, they never have. They never. Have. Um, and, and they do, but they don't, right? They don't, it's not their first, uh, it's not their first thing. They growth over safety has been the Silicon Valley's most problematic oh, yeah. issue. Oh, and. Yeah. And they don't care about your information. In fact, they want to use it and abuse it. Um, mm. we'll see. Uh, Jack Dorsey is at the center of this. That's one thing that was brought out. He has been silent. He also pushed the acquisition. He needs to be subpoenaed. Elon Musk subpoenaed him. And I think, I think he should be subpoenaed. And aren't
0: they friends?
1: I think so. They may not be now, but yes, they're very close. They were. Mm-hmm. It's
0: messy. And let me tell you, one thing I don't mind is, uh, seeing Elon Musk go to court. <laughs> I'm so tired of that man. I'm so tired of that man. You know what it is, Kara? I just feel like you can never trust what he says. He's always lying. He's always lying Mm -hmm. about dumb stuff. Like there was this story a few weeks ago where all of his talk about Hyperloop and the little underground tunnels, crock of shit, he was never going to actually do it. This man is such an unreliable narrator.
1: That is a good way to put it. He also does create things, though. It's, it's, he's a complex. He, let me just, I, I'm not going to push back on it because I think he's lost bread equity like you can't believe. Um, and as a cultural figure, speaking of which he had a very strong cultural position, which I think has been really badly hurt. And I think he lost a lot of, in terms of a cultural influencer, um, has lost, he has, he has influence over a certain kind of man.
0: Yeah. He has a cult following with those guys, but like, that's not yeah. enough. Yeah. And I just think that like a lot of the things that he touts, he can never really back up. And I even think of like his biggest success, which might be Tesla. There are mm-hmm. more and more reports about how Tesla's aren't really great cars. <laughs> They're they can mm. kind of fall apart on you really quickly. It's hard to get them serviced yeah. and repaired in a timely fashion. And the quality control yeah. is a lot less than what mm-hmm. you would expect from a luxury car brand. I just don't think he ever backs up his mouth. Ever.
1: Mm. He's a complex figure. The stuff he's doing around space is quite amazing. The car did fast forward everybody into electric cars. See, that's the problem. There's a lot of quality mixed in with a lot of the bullshit. And that's the real problem. And it's getting more bullshitty than quality. Well, I think that's really yeah. What's
0: and it would be what's easier happened. to give him the benefit of the doubt if he didn't sound so unhinged and if he wasn't kind yeah. of making shit up half the time. I don't know what to yeah. believe yeah. when he talks anymore.
1: Do you think as a cultural critic, how do you look at him as a cultural figure?
0: I think he represents everything wrong with the extremely wealthy in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Extreme wealth and extreme power are not good on the society writ large. And there is such a concentration Mm -hmm. of extreme wealth and extreme power in the hands of guys like Elon Musk. It's good for nobody. It's good Mm -hmm. for nobody. And I think Mm -hmm. if we don't, think about what these rich men and it's usually men are doing to our societies and what they've taken from our societies we're going to end up in situations where the elon musks and the jeff bezos have more power than our government
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't want that day
1: They do actually they, are, want... they already have it Sam. yeah they already have
0: and, like, it. i don't want uh, that it's
1: yellowstone it's, it's yellowstone, yellowstone is what it is
0: but like as <laughs> shitty as the federal government is and it's shitty I would much rather have Uh Joe Biden and them in charge than Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Well, he was
1: elected. Yeah, he was elected. He sure was. That's my. He sure was. Sure was. Sure was. We do. We do celebrate the rich in a way that's really untoward. Speaking of which, we're going to go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Biden's student debt jubilee and take a listener question about nostalgia. (laughs) Sam, we're back with our second big story. Your debt is canceled. Well, some of it anyway. This week, President Biden announced his long-awaited decision on student debt relief. The executive order erases uh, $10,000 of debt for borrowers who make below $125,000 a year. The amount goes up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients. The administration says the move will affect 95% of all borrowers and fully wipe out the debt of almost 20 million people. The plan is drawing criticism on all sides. On the right, there are predictable arguments about responsibility. They Kept using the word "deadbeat." It was fascinating to watch their little messaging. A prominent troll account called the House Judiciary GOP posted, "If you take out a loan, you pay it back." Period. Hopefully, stop. On the left, the argument is the plan doesn't go far enough, and also that it's not the effective way to reach uh, people who need it. It's uh, too helpful to uh, wealthier and white whiter and wealthier people. Um, talk about this. Uh, can you complain about debt relief while supporting PPP loans? Many people have not paid them back. Uh, Joel Osteen, apparently, is one of them. There's all mm-hmm. kinds of people. One report says most of PPP loans went to business owners and wealthy households, and only 2% went to low-income workers. Mm-hmm. Several right-wing leaders like Stephen Crowder and The Daily Caller complained about student loans online, but Twitter users pointed out that Crowder and The Daily Caller both received PPP loans that were forgiven by the government. These people are the most ridiculous um hypocrites going. And then, of course, everyone got, all the rich people got their tax relief. Critics point out to the racial disparity in student loan debt, though, the average black borrower owes $52,000, nearly double the average white borrower. The NAACP pushed for $50,000 in debt relief. So talk about this because everybody has an opinion, including people. Catherine Rampell was like, there's better ways to do this uh, financially. Um, Others think it's not. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. I'm so
0: good with it. And I think the right wing and the conservative pushback on this was as you would expect. Of course, they hate a thing Mm -hmm. that Joe Biden did. Of course, they hate a thing Mm -hmm. that helps poorer people. Of course, they Mm -hmm. hate a thing that might help Black people. But I was most surprised by the antagonism and the nastiness about this from the left, There were Mm -hmm. folks on the left not just saying, oh, it's not enough, which you could say that. They were like, this is evil. It's awful. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not awful. This disproportionately helps Black borrowers, who usually have to borrow more money than white borrowers, to afford Mm -hmm. colleges. And by some White House estimates, the average Black borrower will see their balance cut nearly in half. And more than one in four Black borrowers will have their balance forgiven altogether. That is before Mm -hmm. you include the additional 10K for Pell Grant recipients. How the hell is this a bad thing? I had people in my Twitter feed who were leftists Mm -hmm. saying that Mm -hmm. this was evil because it didn't cancel all the debt. It's not evil. You're going to have millions of people getting their debts Mm -hmm. washed out. And I think there's this echo chamber on Twitter that just can't let a win be a win. No, it's not everything, but it's a win. And I think (laughs) the messaging in the rest of the country outside of the Twitter sphere is, oh, Joe Biden canceled some fucking debt. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yep. You know, already this week in some professional wrestling tournament, one of the wrestlers made a riff about canceling some wrestler like Joe Biden canceled the debt. You <laughs> know, it's like we, like, this, like we already know how this plays. The big headline yeah. is Joe Biden canceled debt.
1: I think he handled it well, actually, when they were asking about this, he's like, well, all those rich people got that tax break and you were OK with that. Yeah, they love trickle. They love trickle down. They still love trickle down. And if the rich people get a break, then all of us will. And, or the, or the companies or the corporations get a break. They don't mind when it's, when it's seen in other ways, whether it's, uh, PPP loans or tax breaks or any, or the military, uh, when it goes to this, it's it's a waste of money. And the word deadbeat, I, I, I find that so extraordinary.
0: I'm sorry. The deadbeats who were trying to go to college to get advanced degrees, those are deadbeats. Yeah. I just feel like one, we need to be a society that is as comfortable with folks on the lower end getting a break as Mm -hmm. we are with rich folks getting a break because rich folks are always getting a break. I also want to say to the angry left, literally someone in my mention said that this was evil and this was a Mm -hmm. a leftist because it didn't get everything. Before this move this week to cancel student debt, Joe Biden had quietly authorized the cancellation of about $32 billion in debt for Mm -hmm. borrowers who were defrauded by for-profit colleges and for borrowers who were disabled permanently. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden's been canceling debt. Mm-hmm. I don't get how anyone can get mad at this guy for doing this.
1: Well, it's, it's not enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's a not enough thing. It's the same thing with the Inflation Reduction Act. But I think that's what it is, is it's not enough. It's not enough. It's but not this enough. is
0: how politics works. I hate to break it to everybody. Mm-hmm. You don't just get everything you want because you want it right yeah. away. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I I would urge people to think about just how much the Overton window has shifted. Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, nobody was talking about canceling student debt. Mm -hmm. Any Democrat or Republican would have been laughed out of the room had they brought this up. And now it's happening. Right. The debate on this issue has moved to the left's favor. The debate Mm -hmm. on this issue has moved in Democrats favor. Mm-hmm. This is a good development. Of course, it's not all that Democrats want, but God damn mm-hmm. it. Some 20 yeah. million people will see debt forgiven. Take a win. Take a fucking win.
1: The left is very dissatisfied. <laughs> They're grievance. Grievance. Yes. Well, like they just
0: they just have this ability to yeah. like snatch defeat from the hands of victory. This is a win. I just don't get it. Sorry. Don't get me started.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You can debate whether, where there's better ways to do this, but that means more. And that means whenever you're going to give someone something, you take away from someone else somewhere. Right. And so I think that's part of it. The other part is what I, what I loved. I'll tell you one thing. Speaking of cultural on all the, all the social networks, people who had paid off their debt. We're like, I'm glad someone didn't have to go through what I did. I don't feel bad. It's like, you know, it's sort of someone was equating it to people who died of, of, say, a disease that then had a vaccine. Like, I'm glad that they don't have polio. It's only
0: fair that you get polio, too.
1: Like, no. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Make it better for people.
1: That's a really interesting attitude in our culture. I remember doctors when, uh, you know, they go through a really tough.
0: When the residents and such. Yeah.
1: And they're like, everyone has to go through it. I was like, really? It seems cruel you know why why what is it what is the plus? if there's a plus i get it if there's not it's just because you suffered that other people that and the whole deadbeat thing like fuck you like that on that one they're not deadbeats and also it's good for our society for people to go to college and to be smarter uh, in all kinds of ways um let me tell you i
0: yeah i don't like joe biden for a lot of reasons Mm -hmm. canceling student loan debt is not one of them i'm sorry like this is just Mm -hmm. like this is a good thing it's a good thing. And, and here's the thing. There's probably more of it coming. There's probably more of it coming. So chill out, leftists. He's going to do some more later. Wait a minute.
1: Yep. I love that Stephen Crowder had a and Daily Caller had PPP loans.
0: Well, and a lot of it is racially coded.
1: A hundred percent.
0: All of it. I think a lot of these folks on the right talking about how these deadbeats shouldn't have their loans forgiven. Mm-hmm. They're talking about black people. That's yep. what they're fucking talking about. And I just, I don't know. It burns me up. But let me tell you something. I am, I am not going to be here shitting on folks on the lower end catching the break. I'm glad they caught a break. Good.
1: Yep. And by the way, everybody should get more education. Okay. Sam, let's pivot to a listener question.
0: You got, you got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You you've got mail.
1: This question comes from Jenny on Twitter. I'll read it. What's a piece of media you wish you could consume again for the first time? Oh, that's a good one, Sam.
0: The like 10 part Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance.
1: Oh, Um, my son loved that. I
0: devoured it when it first came out during pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about it again when there was news that Dennis Rodman might be going to Russia to try to get Britney Griner out of imprisonment. It made me think about him in The Last Dance. Mm -hmm. It is a beautiful, brilliant sports documentary. There's this scene where Mm -hmm. they're chronicling Michael Jordan's rise to the NBA and they have this musical montage for like a minute of Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan just getting slam dunk after slam dunk set to the print song from the Batman soundtrack, Party Man. So it's literally Michael Jordan dunking while Prince is playing. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in TV history. The whole series itself is perfectly constructed. I don't like sports, but I do love sports Mm -hmm. documentaries. And The Last Dance, Mm -hmm. the way I felt when I first watched it, I want that feeling again all the time. That's it's amazing. Great.
1: My son loved it. My son's a basketball player. He's uh, quite tall okay. and he loved uh-huh. it. He loved it. He talked about it's it. So he, of course, I didn't, I did not watch it. Now I can. Um, he's bugged me. You should about watch it. I you
0: should really watch I, it. It's long, I but I it's sports. worth it.
1: I hate sports. I don't, you, I don't, but like, I grew
0: up liking the spurs as someone from san antonio but in my yeah. adulthood i don't really watch sports but a good sports doc i will watch for instance Fair. the new amante tayo documentary really really good
1: oh that one! Oh, about the girlfriend this
0: is the football player who was catfished
1: yeah it's really good oh that looks great yeah. that guy got a short end of the stick on that one i'll tell you yeah he really did yeah um i'm gonna answer gladiator <laughs> Gladiator, I love that movie. Okay, I love Russell Crowe. Why I love Russell Crowe, I don't know why I love that movie so much, but I would wish I could see it for the first time. I watch it over and over again, and I have no idea why. So there you have. I it. I
0: remember having the DVD, and we had the like special DVD cut of like the commentary and yeah. shit. I would watch that back in the day. It's a good movie.
1: It is the mu- the music, the whole thing. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I've been watching a lot of stuff over over and over again uh recently even silly stuff like last night i watched uh melissa mccarthy's spy i don't know why but it made me laugh i love her it's a great movie it's sort of it's a really funny movie and jason straight
0: statham
1: statham i love which who i love and he was making fun of his reputation and you know i love jude law like the holiday is another movie i watch (laughs) i don't know why i don't know why it's such a bad movie
0: I have been for the last few weeks having Dune on in the background as I'm like on my phone looking at Zillow listings. It's so beautiful. (laughs) It's like a fun screensaver for me. It's like, oh, Dune is really pretty.
1: So uh, is there a social network that you wish you could use for the first time? No. (laughs) No.
0: I wish I'd never did any of them. I'm like fully immersed in all these networks now and I need them for my career and livelihood. But yeah, a lot of them have gotten less fun. And I will say Mm -hmm. the one that's the most fun for me is the one I never post to. And it's TikTok. I just watch the kids have fun and then put it down. I will never make a TikTok video myself.
1: Someday. Don't say that we have the ceo of tiktok coming to code so well you can ask her some questions
0: what is your take on tiktok as like an expert of you know industries and such i think it's a pretty good business model
1: it's a great business model it's about interest it's about you know the chinese ownership is the problem otherwise it's yeah. a perfect uh, social media it's product it's about your interest yeah. it's about your interests and not your friends and it's uh, but it still is going to be subject to all the abuses the political stuff the bullshit the anytime mm-hmm. there's a tool assholes Take advantage of it. And that's the problem. That said, I watch, as people know from listening to this uh, podcast, I listen, watch air fryer content almost continually.
0: I love right now when uh, one person is like making nasty comments about some other person's online Mm -hmm. recipe. And they're like, You're doing what? You're making this? That's horrible. (laughs) That's nasty. Oh, I love those. The whole getting upset at food and drink. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
1: Anyway, so it's a very satisfying social network. Yeah. Anyway, if you've got a question of your own you'd like answers, send it our way. Go to nymag.com/slash pivot to submit a question for the show or call 855-51 Pivot. Again, the last dance and Gladiator. All right, Sam, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sam, let's hear some wins and fails. What? Go for it.
0: I think the win, at least this week for me in pop culture land, goes to Mm -hmm. HBO and HBO Max. Mm -hmm. They got a lot of flack for a while for secretly disappearing, less successful shows off their platform. And -hmm. everyone said, oh, is HBO Max in trouble? Are they doomed? Are they this? Are they that? And then they have this juggernaut new hit with the Game of Thrones prequel and I've said this for years, HBO knows what they're doing. HBO has survived every wave of television and still Mm -hmm. succeeded. And so I might not love everything about the direction they're headed in, but Mm HBO is gonna win and they're winning. So I would say they're a win right now after a few weeks of nervousness around them taking shit off the platform, but they're allowed to do that.
1: I'm mad about the Sesame Street thing.
0: I'm mad that Sesame Street ever went private. Sesame Street should have been a public commodity forever. It should not be owned by any private company. It should be public.
1: Yes, I agree, but I was using all those and they took out a lot. Now, there's um, still a lot there, but it really was, I was really upset by that for some reason because yeah. we use it a lot. But I agree, it should never, that's the issue. It should yeah, never it should been. Be public. Um, yeah. Okay, all right. So that's your win and fail. What's your fail?
0: Okay, the fail this week. Who was a fail? I'll have to think a little more so you go first while I think of a fail.
1: I do think the win is this Biden loan forgiveness overall, the idea of it. And I think the fail would be the reaction of like, it's not good enough. Uh, We have to stop talking about not good enough. Sometimes that most things aren't good enough in life. You don't get as much as you want. You don't get as satisfied. And so I would say people have got to like, stop immediately criticizing things, even if they don't agree with them and, and have a better way of doing it. It just seemed like that really, I find that disturbing that nobody can ever enjoy. And nasty. Nasty, right. It's nasty.
0: You know, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, and she said something really profound and simple. She said, sometimes you have to just stop and say, better is better. Yep. It's better. It's not the best, but better is better. And we can say this is better now than it was before. And that's the true thing with student loans, I think. It's better. Take that.
1: Yep. Yep. And I guess the positive one would be Serena Williams. Yeah. She's, I'm excited to see her play coming up. And I think she's really conducted her career with a lot of dignity and um, just coolness. Just like, uh, I'm hoping to interview her at some point.
0: I love her candor. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to hear you interview her. I love her candor and I love the way that she is able. To bring people into a conversation that accepts and appreciates the nuance Mm -hmm. of who she is. Mm -hmm. She could just talk about being a woman and that would be enough. She could just talk about being black and that would be Mm -hmm. enough. She talks about being a black woman and that is a very unique set of issues that she has to deal with. But she's such a. Big star and such a household name that she can bring you into those conversations and you can find commonality yeah. with her, even if you're not that. So, mm-hmm. her candor around childbirth and how that affects Black women, her candor around being an athlete while raising a child as a woman, I admire it all. And I, the conversations she's starting in people's households by sharing her stories so candidly, I think it's good for the culture.
1: Yep. And honestly, She looks amazing on that Vogue cover. (laughs) Speaking of cultural influences, (laughs) she looks so fucking good with her daughter in the blue on the beach. I just, oh,
0: fantastic. Made me
1: so happy to look at that picture. And uh, yeah, her, it just was, it was just a beautiful. beautiful picture. Beautiful. beautiful. She's a beautiful yeah. woman and a beautiful yeah. athlete. And just a, I, I'm excited to see what she's gonna do next. She's an entrepreneur. She's really involved in the tech stuff actually, oh, yeah. interestingly. Yeah. What's gonna be next for her, I think it's probably pretty cool.
0: I have a fail. I have a fail. Let's
1: go, fail. Oh fail. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, go.
0: The L.A. Times had a report last week or this week talking about water usage in the midst of Southern California's big drought. They found the worst offenders. Kim Kardashian and her crew were right up there. Some Uh, 270,000 gallons plus of water used in a small period of time, while the average Angelino uses 72 gallons of water a day.
1: What were they doing with the water?
0: (laughs) I don't fucking know, but I tell you what. I'm so tired of the rich and powerful and famous thinking the rules don't apply to them. Yeah, We ain't got no water over here. We don't have any water. Like, stop. I was mad at Taylor Swift and them with the private jet stuff. I'm mad at Kim Kardashian for the overuse of the water stuff. Just because you're famous doesn't mean you're not part of a society with limited and finite resources. Sit down, turn the water off, turn the plane off, sit down.
1: Sit down, Kardashian. They're not sitting down, Sam. I'm sorry to tell you. They're not (laughs) not, sitting down. They know them. I know them a little bit. They're not. They do not sit down. They will. They They will consume. They will consume until they are consumed, as they say. Anyway, yeah. Sam, that's the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sam is the host of Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine and a co-host of Vibe Check. Are you liking working at Vox?
0: I'm loving it. So, yeah, you know, Vox is great. And the thing about Vulture and New York Magazine and so Vox good. is that, like, Vox, the company, is this really big, expansive network full of a lot of other small companies. And so you're mm-hmm. tapped into this kind of brain trust and this, like, yeah. economy of scale, where everything you need is kind of there. So that's been well, great. Good. And this was my good. first foray into media that, w- that was not nonprofit media and public that's radio. Right. And it's been a wonderful yeah. transition. And I gotta good. plug while I'm here, my second other pet project show. Mm-hmm. I have a little talk show with two of my best friends, Saeed Jones and mm-hmm. Zach Stafford. It's called Vibe Check. <laughs> that's through Stitcher. Mm-hmm. It posts every th- Wednesday with new episodes. And it's mm-hmm. a fun accompaniment to Intuit, which is my baby. Right.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. What's the show this week
0: on? Into it this week, we talk with a journalist who wrote about the interesting case of Sydney Sweeney, one of the stars of Euphoria. In a recent oh. interview with the Hollywood Reporter, she said, My parents didn't have money. I grew up poor. I don't have family connections or entry connections. I have to hustle really hard to make enough money to live this L.A. life. And I have to do a lot of endorsements to get enough money. And she said, right now, I couldn't even take six months off to have a baby. So we talk about how for some actors and actresses, it's not all fun and games. They don't make enough money, which is hard to believe.
1: Yeah, I believe it.
0: uh, My guest this week explains it. Kelsey McKinney from Defector.
1: Anyway, everybody listen to Vibe Check and Intuit with Sam Sanders. We'll be back on Tuesday with more Pivot. Thank you so much, Sam. I'm going to read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Neyman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Ernie Enderdot engineered this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. And again, Sam, thank you so much.
0: This was an honor. I'm such a fan, Kara. This is like bucket list for me. Thank you for having me.